0: A look at 80s music from Orange County, California. Music that came from here and music that came to here. Join me, your host, Doug Crandall, every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Behind the Orange Curtain. Behind the Orange Curtain explores music that came from Orange County, California to influence the rest of the world and music that made it to Orange County, California from around the world to influence those of us who lived here during the 1980s. This is part two of the second US Festival held in 1983. This week we'll continue to look at the US Festival focused specifically on day three. Tonight's show has an amazing lineup of iconic bands from the 80s. So let's dig in and get the show started with the first band. The genesis of Berlin was the new wave rock band, The Toys, formed in 1976 in Orange County, California, by John Crawford, bass guitar, Dan Van Patten on drums, Chris Ruiz Valesco on guitar, and Ty Cobb on vocals. After a few shows, the band changed its name to Berlin, discharging Cobb as lead singer in the process. After a brief stint with Tony Childs as lead singer, Terry Nunn joined the band after answering an ad through the Musician's Contact Service in Hollywood in 1979. Despite its name Berlin, did not have any known major connections with the capital of Germany, and the name was chosen to make them seem European and exotic. As lead singer, Nunn would eventually take the Berlin name as her alternative moniker. The band, also inspired by keyboard work of Kraftwerk, Devo, Sparks, and The Screamers. A couple of years ago, Richard Blade released an autobiographical book called World In My Eyes. Richard Blade was a DJ for KROQ in LA, and also the host of MV3, a television show dedicated to the 80s music of its time. He was romantically involved with Terry Nunn, even engaged, I believe. And as Berlin began to get more and more popular, Richard Blade and Terry Nunn had to hide their relationship. I have an excerpt from the book I wanted to read as I thought it was fitting. I did everything I could to get the word out about Berlin. Everyone who heard them or saw them live was won over by their raw talent and recognized almost immediately what a wonderful front person Terry is. But there are definitely other ways that I could help as well. I was shooting the TV show MV3 and arranged to have Berlin perform live on the show. Terry consulted with me before the shoot and was concerned that people might take our relationship the wrong way. Look, she said, I know you have to do the interview with us before we go on, but we can't give it away that we're together. Is that okay with you? I agreed 100%. The last thing I wanted to do was hurt Terry or the band's chances of being judged fairly. The big fear was that other radio stations would not play Berlin if they found out the lead singer was dating Richard Blade of KROQ, and without airplay, the group's momentum would stall out. The day of the taping, I got word to report to the set and introduce the Berlin segment of the show. I trotted over right away and avoided even looking at Terry until the cameras were rolling. After the interview, one of the producers came up to me and asked, I thought you liked the singer from Berlin. I guess I was wrong. Apparently, the act that Terry and I put on was too good. But whether Terry and I came across as distant or not, Berlin staged a rocking show on what was their first national television performance. The other opportunity to Terry that I gave a little push was when I received a call from the Woz, Steve Wozniak. We had hit it off a few months before at the first Us Festival and he wanted to come onto my show at KROQ and ask the listeners who they'd like to see on the bill for the second Us Festival. I arranged for him to join me on my Saturday morning program, and in early February, the Waz showed up and started taking calls on the air from the excited KROQ audience. However, before the show started, I got together with my phone-op and interns at the station to have them call in themselves and ask for Berlin to be in the lineup. With that in place, I was ready to go. I talked with Steve on the air and went to the phone lines. I had no monitor or display to tell me who was on the line or what they were calling about. I just had to hope for the best. Almost immediately, the calls were for Berlin. I saw the was write down the name, and the next call was for Berlin, and the next. That's when I realized that it wasn't just my interns calling. The request lines were exploding with KROQ listeners who really wanted Terry on the bill. By the end of the show... The tentative lineup for New Wave Day was in place, and it included The Clash, David Bowie, U2, Stray Cats, Men at Work, In Excess, Oingo Boingo, The English Beat, and of course, Berlin. I was thrilled that my girlfriend would be part of such an event, and I also knew that she would steal the show. Here's Berlin doing Metro and Sex. Good
1: morning, how you doing? Nice to see you here today. My name Richard Blade from Rock and MV3. And I'm real happy to bring on this band. They've just come back for a national tour of the States, which just about sold out everywhere. This is their first official performance in Southern California for several months. And they are jazzed to see it. They recently signed with Death and Records. They have an album called Pleasure, they you probably know Metro and Sex.
2: There's
1: six members in the band. One is going to be coming on in just a little while. But
2: right now, we've got John. David, Rod, and all the rest of the guys, Matt, Rick, they're going to be rocking you. I think you know them. Please put your hands together and welcome, Buddy!
1: They are crazy, because this is paradise. This is just incredible. We are honored that you came this early.
2: stage with Bono Vox from YouTube.
3: Could I just correct you there? Yeah, I wish you would. In fact, I would. Let's start I all would, over. I, no, I would enjoy the opportunity to explain to the nation, not just to yourself, that this Bono Vox thing has got a bit out of hand. My full name is Paul David Hewson. People call me Bono. It's a term of affection, and that's what I, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be called it, uh, Bono is fine. Of I don't know where that came from. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a mistake. So I thank you for the opportunity so to Paul explain did... to these people that uh, people call me Beno.
2: The show that we just saw, I was upstairs on stage watching it and then I came back here and got an even better angle. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You, first of all, braved the crowd. What made you decide to go out and start having and touching the crowd?
3: Oh, come on. They are what's important in this festival. You know, backstage we have this you know thing where we're you're hidden. You know, we're the we're the hidden people. We're behind stage, but they're the people we're paying our wages, your wages, my wages, and they're the people that are important. You know, I was part of a movement which which believed, maybe naively so, in breaking down the barrier between the stage and the audience, breaking it down. I'm sick and tired of satin pants. I'm sick and tired of people hiding behind their haircuts. Music is about communication, okay? Talk to John Lennon about that.
2: most amazing to watch was you with a huge white flag walking across the stage and then climbing up the sides of the stage, up the speakers and along the top. What moved you to do that? That was about a hundred feet up.
3: Well, I, it was maybe I mean, management and the rest of the band have told me it was a, a stupid thing to do that that the rest of the tour was at risk. But I felt in a festival where there's 200,000 people watching you, basically only about half that, maybe three quarters of that, are feeling what you're doing musically. And I felt that if we could, if we could, wa- if we could take a white flag, which is everything we stand for, and John Lennon, in fact, and a lot of music, there's a lot of musicians can do what the politicians can't. If I could take that white flag to the highest point in, this, in the US Festival. Well, I th- felt that even the people who were buying their hot dogs, even the people who were asleep would look up. And they did. I mean, the entire crowd for that moment was unified. That white flag as I placed it on the top and then I threw it over into the crowd and they got it. Um, I felt that that was an important thing to do. I mean, I threw the song away. The song just became the soundtrack to that movement. But I felt it was worth it and I think the crowd agree. Here. When we first arrived here, in your country, I tried to explain to people that we were not just another English fashion band passing through. Firstly, can I say, we're an Irish band, alright? We plan on being here For a long time, forever maybe. This is for Angeline, okay? For this next song, there has been a lot of talk. Probably too much talk. This is not a rebel song. This is Sunday Bloody Sunday.
2: TV reality. And today the millions cry. We eat and drink while small data. The real battle yet begun. To claim the victory, Jesus. Your eyes make a circle I see you when I go in there
1: Hey mister Hey mister Hey mister, here!
2: it's your
0: Persons was still touring after the release of their debut album, Spring Session M. It was released on October 8th of 1982 by Capitol Records. The title of the album is an anagram of the band's name. Upon its release, the album received generally positive reviews from music critics and also noted commercial success, peaking at number 17 on the Billboard 200. Spring Session M was certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America, Four singles were released from the album, Words, Windows, Destination Unknown, and Walking in L.A. All singles charted on the Billboard Hot 100, and the music videos received regular airplay on MTV. Here for you now is Mental Hopscotch, Words, and Walking in L.A. It's called Pretender's self-titled debut album was released in January of 1980 and it was a success in the United Kingdom and the United States, both critically and commercially. It was regarded as one of the best debut albums of all time and has been named one of the best albums of all time by VH1 and Rolling Stone. During March of 1981, they would release an EP containing the UK and US success, Message of Love, Talk of the Town, Porcelain, Cuban Slide, and a live version of Precious, recorded in Central Park. On September 18th of 1981, the Pretenders were the musical guests on the U.S. late-night sketch comedy show Fridays. The band performed The adulterous Message of Love, and Louie Louie. Andy Kaufman was the guest host for the program that night. In the autumn of 1981, the Pretenders canceled their U.S. and Canada tour as Chambers had cut his hand and the injury was so bad that he could not play for a number of weeks. The band decided to postpone the tour rather than replace Chambers. Now with their tour on hold and escalating drug abuse from Farndon, he was fired from the band after a meeting between Hyde and Honeyman Scott and Chambers on June 14th of 1982. Two days later, on June 16th, 1982, Honeyman Scott died of heart failure as a result of cocaine intolerance Farndon was in the midst of forming a new band when he was found dead on April 14, 1983, by his wife. After taking heroin and passing out, Farndon had drowned in his bathtub, leaving The Pretenders with only two living members left. 1983 was a rebuilding year for The Pretenders, and they wouldn't release their next album until 1984, an album called Learning to Crawl, which... I'm sure lends itself to learning how to be a band all over again with new members. This album would unleash the hits Middle of the Road, Back on the Chain Gang, and Time the Avenger. Let's hear from the pretenders now. It to be back in California
2: with a message of love! A one, two, three, four!
1: of the city Time to wonder fucker life She'll put a time You don't try to your childhood. A big is child this town, huh? the sun. A is your child, an hour. Huh? The big chump is child, I not do so it'll be a bit ropey, but uh, cool anyway.
0: the headliner of headliners, Mr. David Bowie, was born David Robert Jones on January 8, 1947 in Brixton, London, to Margaret Mary, or Peggy Jones, a cinema usherette, and Hayward Stenton, John Jones, a publicity director for an orphanage. Hayward helped organize charity shows in the 50s and introduced his son to all the stars, giving David an early look into the entertainment industry. David Jones changed his name in 1966 to avoid confusion with Davy Jones of the Monkees. He told Rolling Stone, the name comes from the Bowie knife. I was into that kind of heavy philosophy thing when I was 16 years old, and I wanted a truism about cutting through the lies and all of that. Bowie attended Bromley Technical School in London, where he was taught art by Peter Frampton's father, Owen. He grew up fascinated by American culture, including football. He used to listen to the games as a teenager and once wrote to the U.S. Embassy in London, who sent him a football uniform. It is a myth that Bowie had two different colored eyes. In fact, they were both blue. But the pupil of Bowie's left eye became enlarged and frozen after a fistfight with his best friend in school, George Underwood. It was over a girl. Bowie's first commercial breakthrough came in 1969 with the song Space Oddity, which was Rush released to coincide with the Apollo 11 moon landing. Bowie met his first wife, Angela, at King Crimson concert in 1969. The relationship didn't end well. She would later sue Bowie for $56 million. David said being married to her was like living with a blowtorch. When he divorced Angela in 1980, she signed a 10-year gag order prohibiting her from talking about Bowie. When the order expired in 1990, she went on the Joan Rivers show and claimed she once found Bowie and Mick Jagger in bed together, naked. Bowie and Jagger strongly deny the story. David Bowie died from liver cancer in his New York apartment January 10, 2016, two days after the release of his Black Star album. After passing, Bowie's family revealed that he had been diagnosed 18 months earlier without anyone's knowledge. Black Star was his only album in which he does not appear on the cover. Let's hear from the legend, David Bowie.
2: To major time. Rock control to me to Control to me time Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Rock control to to Be with you
0: Festival wouldn't return for a third edition in 1984, and it was later reported that Steve Wozniak lost a total of $20 million of his own money on the event over the two years. Barry Fay labeled it as the most expensive backstage pass in history. Thanks to listening to this episode on the 1983 US Festival. The goal for the month of November is to look for threads and themes of thankfulness and giving. As I mentioned, We are very thankful for Waz's $20 million contribution to bring us, and I do mean us, the lovers of music, events that would forever mark the history of festivals. And now it's time for Crandall's Crucial Cut. This week's Crucial Cut will lead us into next week's topic. Next week, we'll be looking at the Australian bands from the land down under. To close us out this evening is one of my favorite bands of all time, the Hoodoo Gurus. The Hoodoo Gurus are an Australian rock band formed in Sydney in 1981. The mainstay Dave Faulkner, songwriter, lead singer, and guitarist, later joined by Richard Grossman on the bass, Mark Kingsmill on drums, and Brad Shepard on guitar, vocals, and harmonica. Their popularity peaked into the late 1980s with albums Stone Age Romeo, Mars Needs Guitars, Blow Your Cool, and Magnum Come Louder. The song to close us out this evening is the band's first released single in 1982 called Leilani. Leilani is about a beautiful maiden and a daughter of an ancient island chief. She leads the idyllic life with her boyfriend until she's compelled to be cast into the volcano as a tribal sacrifice to placate the mountain god. Despite her boyfriend's pleas, she chooses a path of duty. Her boyfriend, alone and bereft, observes that at least her death served a purpose while his life is a waste. According to Dave Faulkner, astute listeners will note the absence of bass guitar in the song Leilani. It was based on an old 50s movie, Bird of Paradise, starring Jeff Chandler. Music that came from here and music that came to here. Join me, your host, Doug Crandall, every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
2: <laughs> oh,
3: Jean Marie, you're a stitch. <laughs> no, Mom's gonna do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia, so I guess we gotta get those miniature marshmallows. And I'll do the crescent rolls and you do the cranberries. You know I can't cook. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well I'll see you tomorrow then. Gobble gobble. <laughs> oh, bye <bye-bye>. bye.
3: <laughs> Welcome to Marathon, may I help you? Yes. How may I help you?
2: You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway get back here to have you smile at my fucking face i want a fucking car
0: right fucking now
3: may i see your rental agreement
0: i threw it
2: away
3: oh boy
2: oh boy what you're fucked